0: It's a great day to be alive. This is Ian Okutiyang coming to you via this avenue of life, Extraordinary. Thank you for letting me come into your space. I'm so glad that I'm able to do. And I really want to thank a number of you who've been sharing our messages and, you know, getting it around so your friends and loved ones can benefit. And I also want to thank especially those who've also been letting me know how this, uh, how our messages have been a blessing to them. Please keep those going. Really, really appreciate that. Now, before I go ahead to dive into what we got, I'd like to remind you of our website. Our website is www.faithimpactmeans.org. Once again, www.faithimpactmins.org. Now, go in there. There are all kinds of materials that will be a blessing to you. And of course, uh, you can get a link right there to our uh, YouTube uh, channel. we love to keep... You know, hearing from you and keep sharing those messages. Praise the name of the Lord. It's a great day to be alive. And uh, we've got some, something really exciting we're going to be looking at today. You know, thank God, we are in the last days. Last days, the last days began after Jesus rose up from the dead. And of course, the day of Pentecost commenced. And then, so th- those were the beginning of the last days. We are in the last of the last days. And of course, the Bible tells us all kinds of things we should be prepared for, we should be expecting in the last days. Massive harvests and different things the scriptures talk about. Let me have us, let's go ahead right now and turn with me to James 7. Sorry, I'm sorry about that, James 5. James 5, I'm going to begin from verse 7. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. So James here, the Lord's brother, is in in referring to the last day, talks about the farmer. And of course, there's uh, scriptural principles that apply here. You know, that Jesus taught using, you know, the uh, analogy of the farmer sowing a seed and bringing forth a harvest. And we have the same thing right here for us in the scriptures. Hallelujah. And so the Bible talks here and uh, It says, I'll read that again from verse seven. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth on waiting patiently until it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So the Bible is talking about the coming of the Lord, but at the same time, it tells us that there's the precious fruit of the earth the Lord is waiting for. What is the precious fruit of the earth? What is it? Well, the precious fruit of the earth are the precious people. See, Jesus came to die for the whole world. And he expects to receive a harvest. He was the lone seed that died and was planted. And as a result of his death, burial, and resurrection, he's given us a commission after his resurrection to go out and preach the gospel. And so a massive harvest can come into God's kingdom. Psalm 2 verse 8 tells us there, it says... It talks about, uh, you know, that we will uh, uh, we'll be, we'll have the, the earth or the harvest of the earth, in essence, as our inheritance, the precious fruits of the earth, hallelujah, as our possession. People is talking about. So the people, harvest. If you know anything about harvest, this is something key about the harvest. When harvest season comes, it's for a fixed period of time. It cannot be delayed. If you try to delay it, the harvest could go to waste. And so this is how they're season for us in the body of Christ. Every day, it is our place. The Bible says, ask of me and I'll give you the hidden for your inheritance and the utmost parts of the earth for your possession. Yes, the people that Jesus died for, those are precious. God had his son, Jesus, but he wasn't just satisfied, neither was Jesus satisfied by his, by his love that impelled him to give his son. And that same love, you know, That same love moved the Lord Jesus, compelled him to give himself and die. And so today he expects a family, brothers and sisters, people all over the world, all through different times. And we, like we said, according to the scriptures, we are in the last of the last days. Jesus is coming for this precious fruit of the earth. In other words, massive harvest that will be in the family of God. Hallelujah! Didn't you read in Revelation talking about the scene right there in the presence of God around the throne of God, talking about thousands and thousands? But I'm talking about millions and millions. Every tongue and every language, different people groups. Oh, God is child hungry. He is people hungry. He loves people, and you and I are supposed to be a part of that. Now, let me before I really get into you know, dive into so much what we're supposed to be looking at, turn with me here to 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1. And I want to come here to something very important here. 2 Timothy 1, listen to what it says here. I love this. From verse 5, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, this is Paul writing to his spiritual son, Timothy, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded in you also. See, God is a God of generations. He first went with the grandmother, then the mother, now Timothy. See, God's ways and God's things are supposed to be to go from generation to generation. Did you notice, if you go through the scriptures, when God will deal with the children of Israel, for example, when he took them you know, over the Jordan. After they crossed the Jordan, he had then pick rocks from where the priests stood in the Jordan and make huge hips. And the purpose of that was that in generations to come, when your children will ask you, what do these rocks mean? What this pile of rocks, then you tell them about what the work of the Lord, what the Lord did in bringing them into the land, the deliverance the Lord has shown to them. See, God is a God of generations. And there should be monuments of the work of God for each family, monuments of praise, of the glory of God, of the demonstration of God in our families and beyond our families, that we can point the world to and say, our God did this, our God did that. Isn't it interesting? We look today, one of the signs the Bible tells us to look to concerning the end times, it talked about the children of Israel. It said right there in the book of Ezekiel, they were going to be dispersed all over the world. And in the end times, towards the time of the end times, they were going to be assembled. See, the, the Jews, the Hebrews, are the only people group dispersed like that 3,000 years. And then assembled, and then still have the exact same language that they had originally. No adulteration, nothing. Only God could have done that. And not only that, the Bible talked about when they would come together you know, there were plants, roses, flowers that didn't grow for those thousands of years. But when they came back again, when they would come back into the land, those plants would begin to grow. Do you realize that at the turn of the century in the land of Israel, you know, uh, Mark Twain even writes about it. And people who visited the, uh, Israel talked about it. That it was such a wasteland, a deserted land, an undesirable land. Nobody would want but interestingly, the Bible talks about it that when they would come to get, come back to the land, the plants would be going to grow, the place would be going to flourish again, like the land flowing with milk and honey. See, that can only be God. That's not that didn't happen as a result of climate change or anything like that. That was God's word being fulfilled, and we continue to see it being fulfilled. Now, when we see these things happening today, listen, there are things we should be seeing. Hallelujah. Yes, Israel being the natural, you know, seed as it were, that the Bible talks about, the people of God, but we are the spiritual seed. Yes, there are some correlations and things that we see. We are the spiritual seed. The Bible says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, depart from their wicked ways. So we hear from heaven, heal their land and do all kinds of marvelous things for them. Well, we are God's people. Hallelujah. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Now, having read that, I want us to come to this other part here uh, uh, where it says there. It says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. Laying on of my hands. Stir up the gift of God. That's what I'm talking about. It's time for us to stir up the gift of God. We've got the gift. You've got the gift of God on the inside of you. You know, Jesus is God's gift to the world. Now, when we, come, when we come into the family of God, having received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, now God has another gift for us. And for all of his children, he's got the gift of the Holy Spirit, whereby we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When you read the New Testament, and I'm talking about the epistles right now, when you read the epistles, it's it's written in such a way, it already takes it for granted that you, as a child of God, are filled with the Holy Spirit and should be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the way it's written. It's not written in such a way trying to plead with you or you know convince you. It's what God has given us, it's the gift of God. It's already been made clear there in the book of Acts. Hallelujah. Paul saw those believers in Acts 19 and asked them, Have you received the Holy Ghost? Notice it didn't say. Has God sent, Have you seen that God has sent the Holy Ghost to you? Or maybe wait for God to send the Holy Ghost to you. Say, so have you received? Because from the day of Pentecost, according to the prophecy of Joel, God has already poured his Spirit upon all flesh. That Holy Ghost, that Holy Spirit is already here today. For every child of God, that is God's gift. The Bible says, out of our bellies shall flow rivers of living water. Hallelujah. But I want to re- drill daily in, uh, deep into something here. You know, when you read the book of Acts, and that was just the beginning, and the Bible tells us the beginning of a house is not anywhere close to the end of it, when it's been completed, it's nowhere glorious. So we are the ones now at the glorious stage of this house of God, so to speak. And what they had in the book of Acts was just the beginning. Look at what was happening in the book of Acts. Compare that to what we see in the body of Christ today. Is it glorious? If you're really observant like I am, as we see all around the world, we are far from where they are. My goodness, they had such move of the Spirit of God. People getting born again in their droves, moves of the Spirit of God. You know, like we see, you know, healings like in the case of uh, Philip going to Samaria. We see someone like Philip. Philip was not not a ministry gift. He was just a deacon. And the Bible says was a man full of faith and the Holy Ghost. And we're talking deeds, signs and wonders amongst the people. We see Paul and different ones going to preach the gospel. And we see demonstration of the Spirit. You know, how did they, what did the Holy Ghost do? How do we see them moving in the Holy Ghost? And I'm going to say something to you today. When I observe, I am so dissatisfied. Yes, Thank God, people, brethren, pastors, and different ones, ministers, are doing their best. But it seems as though the way the church is able to draw people today is not by signs and wonders or demonstration of the Spirit. Yes, that's happening in some places. But we are talking about the body of Christ as a whole. Most of the times, people are trying to reach people, draw them, by natural things. You know, natural seminars. I'm not knocking those things at all. But I'm saying those should not be the primary things by which you draw the church. Oh, people will try to, you know, deal with social issues and use the church. I'm not saying that's wrong at all. I'm not knocking that. And the church needs to deal with social issues. People are trying to deal with family issues, political issues and all of that, that people already have interest in and things like that. And that seems to be the things on the forefront Yes, the church, we should be concerned about these things. But I dare say that should not be the primary means of purpose by which we carry out the commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. way Paul says, my, my, my speech and preaching, when I came to you, was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. I know about demonstration of the Spirit and of power. I remember years ago, yeah, back on campus, there was a fellow right there who was against us writing us. In fact, he wrote something on the National Dailies back then, talking about us, the way we were, and that he came to our meetings. But you know, one of those days he came to our meetings. And from what, the way it went, he had somebody go there, you know, because he saw people falling under the power, people testifying about being healed and all of that. He had somebody go over there pretending, you know, just to see, well, can they really feel any power or anything? This fellow went there. Before he could even go get to the front, he was, this is what happened. He was pulled out of his shoes and knocked back. Isn't that a sign? That fellow left that place confessing, said there is the power of God in that place. That's how we came to know know what happened. In fact, I remember years ago, you know, we would do our programs. This was back on campus do our programs, and looking for money and all that. And I remember a Muslim man that we call, you know, this this Muslim people who make pilgrimage to, to Mecca, you know, they're called al-Hajis, you know. That's the, that's the, kind of like the title they get after making their pilgrimage to, to Mecca. And I remember he he sent to us, wrote a letter to us, and said, I don't like you people, the way you are and everything, but I like what you're doing. He didn't like us, but he loved what we were doing, guess the way we operated, sent us what would have been like $1,000. Today, what the sent us would have been like maybe $5,000 or more. Isn't that something? And that was a Muslim and everything else. There were people I know who were drug addicts, just came into our meetings, and that drug addiction was broken. That's what, See, we don't need to convince them God is at work. The Bible says, when those who are not knowledgeable about spiritual things, when they come into your midst, they will live and say, God is in the midst of all those people. Dear brother, dear sister, we yearn for those times. And listen, that's why the Bible says for us to stare up. Stare ourselves up again in that place of travail in prayer, seeking God by intercession and supplication. These are the days, remember, in the book of Daniel. Daniel saw. Children of Israel were in captivity and Jeremiah had said 70 years, was, was, uh, they were going to be in captivity for 70 years and it did not look like it, it, it was going to happen. The, the, the years were swinging back and it was like 70 years is approaching, it's not looking like it's going to happen. And Daniel began to stir himself up, began to seek God. Listen, the Bible tells us these are the days, these are the last days. And in these last days, God wants to give us the early and the latter rain. You know, when the farmer plants the crop, he first of all puts, you know, he gets the early rain. And so after the early, he wants to have had his seed in the ground before the early rain. Same thing spiritually. You can have such excellent seed. There's preaching of the word everywhere, which is the seed. Hallelujah. But without rain, we can't have the kind of harvest we should have. We've been having sprinkling here and there, but God wants to give us the rain in its full intensity. We've got to stir ourselves up, dear brethren. Oh, hallelujah. Are you hungry? The Bible says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness they shall be filled the gifts of the spirit are not meant to be manifested in heaven yes ever so often in fact in some places even tongues is not existent think about it in some churches today they would not even allow it but i want to put something here listen being filled with the holy ghost like in the book of acts it is after people got filled with the holy ghost they spoke in tongues None of us was born from our mother's womb speaking in tongues. We all came into it as a result of the revelation and the truth of God's word. We should not, you know, people, you know, try to be so sensitive and not to, you know, offend people. There is an an element of offense by the gospel. You know, it challenges you, it wakes you up, it confronts you. That didn't you notice how Jesus ministered? Jesus did not minister in any diplomatic way, yet he was full of compassion and love, loving people tenderly. Jesus could not be accused of being diplomatic in any way, yet he got results. Hallelujah. He got results. Oh my goodness, it's time for us to be proof producers. These are the days we should be having healings. I'm always so shocked. It hurts my heart. Ever so often I will hear so-and-so brother, so-and-so sister is sick. And before you know it, they're dead. Oh my goodness. And I hear about this person sick, this person sick, they're dead and everything else. It breaks my heart. Didn't you hear? Listen to the way James writes to the church in James chapter 5. Around verse 16, they're going down where it says, Is there any sick among you? From the way he asked the question, it means there shouldn't be any sick because healing belongs to us. Oh, no, but today you go to the body of Christ. The multitudes are sick. Oh, they have the same sicknesses like the world and being afflicted all over the place. This healing is our inheritance. We should be the one enjoying it. It is the... It is, It is the children's bread. We should be able to partake of bread just like they did. The Jewish child would partake of bread. Run into the house, get bread for himself. Share with his friend. That's the way we should be today in the body of Christ. Healing is part of the ways we use in reaching the lost. Oh, my dear brother, sister, it breaks my heart to see these things happening. It really does. I want to read to us here from Zechariah 10. Zechariah 10 right here Zechariah 10 from the verse 1 listen to what it says there it says in Zechariah 10:1 ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain so this is the Lord saying and this applies to us and the Lord will make flashing clouds you know another translation i believe says clouds of glory he will give them showers of rain grass in the field for everyone do you realize what happened on the day of Pentecost? The rain began to fall. In a sense, that was the early rain. The rain began to fall. Look at the results they got. In one day, 3,000 God saved. There was such fervency. The religious leaders thought, oh, they'd gotten rid of Jesus. But thousands of Jesus was, was produced, reproduced all over the city. They could not shake a stick at them or contend with those. That's where we should be today, dear brethren. Oh, my heart is stirred up. Oh, we should have compassion for our neighbors, our loved ones, family members who don't know Jesus. And even those who know Jesus, who don't know the inheritance in Christ, who have been pummeled by the devil daily. Our hearts should go out to them. Oh, suffering under the the weight of cares and, and sickness and disease, lack, poverty and everything else. Oh, it's time. For us to seek the Lord. Dear brethren, it's time. Make it a consistent thing. Set out some time. Yeah, every day, some time. Yeah, even if it's what you can do. 20 minutes, 30 minutes. But make it consistent. It's time for the light of rain. We need the rain like never before. We require the rain to do the work that the Lord will have us do. The Lord is not going to send us rain. If we don't need the rain, he's the one that said for us to ask for the rain. That means it's a prayer he wants to answer. Hallelujah. Dear friend, I'm going to unhook now. It's a pleasure to come with you. Please help us share this message. Let it go far and wide. I see you're blessed by which share with somebody else. And of course, I'd love to hear from you. At the same time, please check out our website, www. Faith Impact means M-I-N-S dot org. We love to hear from you. We love to, if you have any prayer requests or anything like that, feel free to let us know. God bless you. Till we meet next time, it's indeed a great day to be alive.